Hey Valley Church, thanks for joining us this weekend. If we haven't met, my name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here and I just want to say thanks for joining us. Thanks for clicking in. I'm so glad you're with us today. Uh, you know, I, every once in a while, I'll send a message to my boys. All three of my boys, they have electronic devices and maybe uh, it's a text or a quick message, video message, and I just want to encourage them. I want to say good things. I want to say things to them that gives them life, builds them up. Uh, and and uh, it's not something I have always done, but I started thinking, why wouldn't I do that? Uh, I have great conversations with them, but why wouldn't I surprise them with something in their inbox every once in a while? And maybe you do that. Uh, maybe uh, you send words of encouragement or words of wisdom to some friends via text message or email. You're just dropping them a voicemail. Sometimes I just wish, I hope, don't answer the phone. I just want to leave you a great message. And I'm not talking about like unsolicited advice. I'm talking about passing on some encouragement and some wisdom. Uh, as a dad, I definitely want to do that to my kids. And there are people behind me in life that I want to encourage and mentor. And I'm sure there's people in your life that uh, you're able to mentor, give good advice to. That's actually exactly what's happening in Proverbs chapter 4. There is a mentor giving some of the best advice to his mentee. But instead of it just being a mentor or mentee, this is really a beautiful letter from a father to a son. There's three parts and this dad comes in three separate times and he just says, listen to what I have to say. Listen to these words. Uh, chapter four is just a great letter of wisdom and godly advice from a dad to his kids. He's passing on principles. He's not making promises. He's passing on principles that if you live like this, like so many great things will happen because of the faithfulness you have. Uh, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, why don't you crack it open to Proverbs chapter 4 and, uh, and see all of the advice that this dad gives his children who are going to, for the rest of their lives, be bombarded with choices. Check this out. Proverbs 4, uh, starting in verse 1. Listen, sons. Listen, look, look at all this repetition. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding for I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. He's like, hey, don't abandon this. I need you to listen to this. Don't miss this. It's like time and time and time again. He keeps coming back, repeating himself over and over. Listen to me. Don't miss this. And, and we might think, yeah, of course he's saying this. It's a kid, right? Kids have such short attention spans. But I got to tell you, he's not saying saying this. He's not repeating himself because he's saying it to a kid. He, he's, he's saying it because it's wise advice. You know, it's not just kids who have a problem hearing, right? I mean, my wife said to me last week, are you even listening to me? And I started thinking, that's a weird way to start a conversation, right? Uh, just kidding. That's a dad joke. I know she's been talking, but it happens to me. It happens to you. And this dad is saying, what I'm about to say is so radically important. I don't want you to miss anything. And he's expressing this need to his son. He says this, when I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and he said, he said, this, this news, this information, these wise words, they're not just mine. Uh, they're from your grandfather. Do you, do you know, like King Solomon wrote the Proverbs and do you know who was Solomon's dad? It was King David. Absolutely. So this, uh, advice. It's so much more than advice, but this is absolutely coming down from King David and from Solomon, the wisest man to ever live at this time. 
uh, celebrity status, both of these guys. I mean, advice uh, from men who are chasing after God's heart. It's, it's absolutely priceless. Uh, and it's coming down to his children. He's like, I took this wisdom, I took this advice, and I just want to pass it on to you. I want you to have this. Here's what he says in verse 4. Your heart must hold on to all of my words. It's kind of like saying, don't let go. He's saying it again. Keep my commands. Keep my commands and live. Uh, he says, internalize these words. Everything I'm about to say, I, I want you to hold at the center of who you are. Build your life on what I'm about to say. Put it at the foundation. And when you get ready to use it, use it for preparation for what's coming at you in life. And, and why the heart? Why does he say, you know, your heart must hold on to my words? Uh, he's asking his children to hold on to it because the heart is, it's actually a little different to King Solomon than it probably is to you and to me. Today, when somebody refers to the heart, they're talking about love. They're talking about emotions and feelings. And, and, you know, my heart's desire is, and we're talking about how much we care about something. Or I have a broken heart and I feel bad. Uh, I feel sad. That's my heart, right? Or I'm pouring out my heart, making yourself vulnerable. You know, a person's heart uh, is, is what guides their thoughts. Our heart guides our emotions, our intentions. Our heart is the source of our actions and decisions. Everything flows from our hearts, everything. So when Solomon says, you know, put these things in your heart, he's saying put it at the, the center of who you are, at the core of your identity, your true nature, your deepest self. That's where this belongs. It isn't advice. I mean, it's so much more than advice. It's wisdom to navigate life. So hold on to everything Solomon says. And, and here's what he says. Look, look at verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. And don't forget or turn away from the words that are coming out of my mouth. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Like if, if you want to experience fewer disappointments, if you want fewer regrets in life, Solomon says, get wisdom. Get understanding. It's, it's that simple. Look at what James says. The brother of Jesus writes this in James 1 verse 5. Now, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. Uh, I love this. You know what I tend to do when I'm looking for wisdom or I'm looking for answers? I tend, I tend to ask, is, is there anything wrong with what I'm about to do? Is, is what I'm about to do illegal? Uh, it, will it hurt anyone? And I got to tell you, it's not a bad idea to ask those things, but we shouldn't assume that if it isn't wrong, it is right. There's so much more to seeking wisdom. Instead of asking if it's right or wrong or moral or immoral, we want to ask God, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing for me to do right now? And I love this. James says he'll give it to you in abundance, generously, ungrudgingly. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this, but, but let me tell you this. God wants you to succeed in life. He does. He wants you to win. He wants you to be wise. He wants to give you things that are going to help you make smart decisions with, with your time and your money and your relationships and with everything else. So come to God expecting that he wants what is good for you. Proverbs is a book of principles, but but this verse in James is a verse with a promise. It's not like you're waiting on God to give you that wisdom. God's actually waiting on you. He says, come and ask for it. Come and get it. Come and seek wisdom from Him and His Word. 
And he's so generous and gracious with wisdom. He gives it out because he wants you to make wise decisions. You know, God communicates wisdom three ways. And you might want to write these down because this is super helpful. Through our conversations with him as we pray, through his word, as we read our Bibles, and through wise counsel. Spending time with men and women who love Jesus. You know, when you come and bump up into an issue, uh, you've got to go to God. You've got to ask, what should I do here, Lord? And, and, and then we go to his word. You know, uh, you take your problem, you take your issue, you take your question and concern, and you look at scripture. You don't interpret scripture from your problem. You look at scripture and say, how does this deal with my problem? And then We go to people for wise counsel, right? You go to somebody in your life group. Church, that's why you are in a life group, is so you can be in community with men and women who are going through similar things as you. Men and women who are sold out to your spiritual success and who love Jesus. Life groups are all about pursuing Jesus together. That's why you're there. And when when you and I, when we ignore praying, when we ignore God's word, when we don't seek wise, godly counsel, it's impossible for us to make good decisions. Bad decisions are bound to be made when we depend on our own wisdom, our own understanding, our own feelings. And sometimes our bad decisions are are really just uh, birthed out of an urge or an impulse or just outrageous confidence that things are going to be fine. Things aren't going to be fine without God. We need Him. We need to seek His wisdom. You know, if we are cutting off communication with God and we're making decisions on our own every day, what we're doing is we're putting all of that trust in ourselves, in our own ability, in our own understanding. And some of us think that we've got it. We've got things under control. I can handle it. But we're not born with it. I don't know if you realize that. You're not born with wisdom. Like you have to grow in wisdom. You have to go get wisdom. You have to get understanding. Uh, look, at, look at this, Proverbs chapter 3, just a, a chapter back. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I love this. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, hold nothing back. And, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Like my understanding is limited. And when I live out of my understanding, I'm really just focusing on me and my preferences. I'm following my feelings in times of trouble. I lead myself astray. I do it all the time. I know the same is true for you. Where do we get understanding? We get it from God. Don't lean on your understanding. Trust the Lord. Follow God. Like understanding is found in Him. If you really want to experience fewer disappointments and regrets in life, here it is. Here it is. Uh, We do not depend on our own wisdom. We don't depend on our own instincts. Uh, uh, We don't follow our own feelings. We trust in the Lord and we ask Him for wisdom. And right here, look at this. I love this. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord, actually, uh, in Proverbs 1-7, it says that's the beginning of wisdom. When you start submitting yourself to God and you have a holy respect and reverence for Him, that's the start of wisdom budding in your life. I love it. This wisdom is freely given. And while it's freely given, you and I, we still have to hold on to it. We have to cultivate it. We have to support it and encourage the process of growing wisdom in our lives. And then in Proverbs uh, 4, verses 6 through 9, we see these six wisdom will statements. Check this out. And I'm going to break out my trusty pen. Don't abandon 
wisdom. She will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme. There's nothing better. So get wisdom and whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and what? She will exalt you. Uh, if you embrace her, she will honor you. Look at this. She, she will place a, a garland of favor on your head and she will give you a crown of beauty. There are so many benefits to this wonderful wisdom. All of these will statements, wisdom will do this and that. And, and what do you and I have to do? Well, it's pretty clear that uh, we just, we don't abandon wisdom. You know, and when we don't abandon, we see this favor. When we love wisdom, when, when we cherish wisdom, when we embrace wisdom, there's so many great results from the effort that we're putting in. Like getting wisdom is from God, but holding on to wisdom is so radically important. And it's connected to the, the way we care for it. You know, this isn't simply advice. It's not just principles. Like this is, this is practical. This is from a dad to his son saying, these are my experiences. These are your grandfather's experiences. And it's not like these are promises or guarantees. Like if you do this, this, and this, A plus B equals C. It's like wisdom says, if you live a life like this, this is the result. I, I, I love this. The benefits of wisdom are only there if you are all in with God. You know, people who love Jesus uh, but don't want to fear God is a problem. You know, there are people who want the benefits of a relationship with Jesus without any of the sacrifice. There are people who want the favor of wisdom without the responsibility of making wise choices. You have to be all in. Don't abandon. Love, cherish, embrace wisdom. And God says, this is yours. And, 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 and there's so many amazing things. We're going to get to this. I don't want to spoil as we get to the end. Like there's a beautiful dynamic result of our behavior connected to the things that wisdom will do. If you want to make good decisions, remember, wisdom is supreme. And, and Solomon says, go get it. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Get wisdom. Get understanding. It's what a parent wants for their children. This is what God wants for you and, and for me. Look at this next verse, Proverbs 4, 10 through 12. Listen, my son, like he's echoing again. It's like the second part of the letter. Accept my words and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. And when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. If that last section of verses was wisdom will, this next section of verses is all about the way of wisdom. This is, this is the pathway of wisdom. This is the way wisdom goes. And, and look at all these, look at all these uh, step illustrations, straight paths, steps, uh, not being hindered. If you walk with the way of wisdom, not crooked, you can go further faster. You're not going to stumble because the pathway is clear and it's easy to see. It doesn't mean it's easy. It means it's clear. You know, have you ever met somebody who just wanted to follow their own way and, and they did so confidently that maybe you thought about following them because that confidence brought some kind of comfort? I got to tell you, confidence is no replacement for wisdom. Sometimes things seem wise just because some people feel like or act like they know everything. Check out this video.
Oh, Chelsea and Michael, if you missed it, I just want to give you some of the words that were said by this running couple and the reporter. They said, hey, it's really good out. We from the Midwest, we know that this probably isn't the best idea. It's really good out. Uh, it, it's the perfect texture. I don't know about that. Uh, I love that they said, you know, there's more skiers than runners out here. Of course, it's snowing. Uh, it's, I like this, it's too nice not to run. People are on bikes. Uh, I don't know how they do that. Uh, at least we can control. The worst case scenario is that we would slide through a stop sign. We're both California kids. It's like, I don't know if you've taken snow advice from California kids right now. And I love this. At the very end, as soon as Chelsea slips on the ice, the reporter, did you catch that? The reporter says, oops. I mean, not even that much exclamation, just, just a little oops, because it was like, I, I saw that coming, right? This news reporter kind of uh, saw that coming. And I love how she begins this. And really, here's where the wisdom is. The reporter opened up this whole interview by saying, what are you doing out here running? Like, it doesn't seem like a great idea. I mean, I know some people run in the snow, but this was crazy. There was ice everywhere. And, and that outrageous confidence of things are going to be fine. It's perfect out here. Outrageous confidence is no replacement for wisdom. Look, he goes on to say, hold on to instruction. Some people don't have instruction. They, they don't have it, but they need it. Don't let go of my instruction. Guard it, for it's your life. Keep off the path of the wicked. Don't proceed on the way of the evil one. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass it by. You know, so many alarming words here. The way of wisdom is a straight path. It's not designed to trip you up or to trick you. The way of the wicked, stay away from it. Pass it by. Leave it alone. And by the way, Jesus agrees with all this. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. However, uh, how, how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life? And fewer find it. There's a wide gate that's easy and there's a narrow gate that actually means something. You know, there's so many options for us today when I think of these two roads. And by the way, Solomon says there's two ways. Wisdom has a way and the wicked have a way. Jesus says there's a narrow way and there's a wide way. There's so many options today. It doesn't seem like there should be only two roads. You know, Solomon says wisdom has a way and the wicked have a way. Jesus says there's a narrow way. There's a wide way. There's a, a way we should go and there's a way that's easy where many choose to go. And that road leads to destruction. This road, it's so narrow and it's so specific and it leads to life but some of us are like there's got to be more well, there's so many options in life like right there, there's got to be another way there's got to be uh, another road i mean we've got gps's we got shortcuts we got alternate routes i mean can't we get there by going some other direction or our own direction i mean isn't there even at least a middle road or a carpool lane right can't i jump on somebody else's vehicle just make it there but jesus says no the good news is we don't have to go halfway because Jesus goes all the way. That's the good news is that Jesus went where you and I couldn't go. You and I fall short every time, but it's Jesus who's able to go the distance. We submit ourselves to him because we fall short. You know, he went the distance and the narrow road 
it's a road that leads to Jesus. It's a road that leads to life, and very few find it. And today, right now, people who have not yet found Jesus or have given their life to Jesus Christ are, are walking on a wide road. And that doesn't mean life is easy for them, but they're choosing the easy things of life. That gate leads to destruction. And I'll tell you, many people who are not yet following Jesus, they look normal, they seem normal, uh, they're, some are even super kind, yet the path that they're on, it still leads to destruction. You know, this father in Proverbs 4 is telling his son, you have choices. You know, you're in control of the path you take. There's a path of righteousness and there's a path of self-centeredness and addiction and obsession. A path where you're only trying to get ahead in life because you think that everything that happens is happening right now. That there's nothing later. There's nothing more for us. Look at Proverbs 4, 16. For they can't sleep. These are the people on the wicked path. They just, they just can't sleep unless they've done what is evil. They're robbed of sleep unless they make somebody stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. They're unsettled until they drag somebody down with them. It goes on to say, the path of the righteous, it's like the light of dawn shining brighter and brighter until midday. But, but the way of the wicked is, is the darkest gloom. This is so sad and it's true. They don't even know what makes them stumble. Verse 19 talks about, or 18 talks about, you know, righteousness is like the light of day shining brighter and brighter. As we walk toward righteousness, it's like we gain more and more wisdom. It's like we shine brighter and brighter the more we're walking with Jesus. And there in verse 19, you know, we see those on, on this wide path. They, they can't see uh, that they're bound for destruction. They don't know what makes them stumble. You know, it couldn't possibly be my fault. Uh, God must hate me or, you know, life's not fair. Why does this always happen to me? I don't even know why this always happens to me. Why does it always happen to me? You know, when our appetites are out of control, like we're, we're in the danger zone. Uh, we're, we're in a dangerous place when we give our appetite permission for the wrong things in life. Um, that's what leads to some of life's greatest regrets. Pursuing what we think is best instead of pursuing God's best, it causes many to wander away from the faith. Far too many live lives filled with grief because they're letting their appetite choose the direction, what they hunger for, what they thirst for. It's so easy to go after what you want. In fact, the world says, go get it. You want something? Go get it. You deserve it. Just reach out and take it. Just run after it. doesn't matter who you climb over or claw over or drag down with you. Go get it. You deserve it. If it's going to make you happy, go do it. That's the world talking. The world says everybody deserves happiness. Jesus actually says there, there is a clear path towards real happiness. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says, If you want to really be happy, blessed are those, happy are those, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Notice that Jesus doesn't say hunger and thirst for satisfaction. The satisfaction comes from what you fill yourself with. Righteousness, it feeds our hunger in, in a very different way than, than the world feasts on 
their own progress and their own gain. You know, this is, this is not too complicated to understand. It's not too complex to obey. Righteousness, it, it simply means chasing after right things. Chasing after the right things of God. True followers of Jesus, they hunger and they thirst after the right things. And that's where we find satisfaction. Did you know uh, that you have control over your appetite? In other words, which path you take. You have control over that appetite. You don't have control over the hunger pains. You're going to get hungry, but you control your appetite. We, we really can't uh, help that we've got to eat, but we can choose what we eat. And there's two ways. There's two paths, right? Uh, you, can, you can either lead your appetite or you can let your appetite lead you. And Jesus has hunger and thirst for the righteous things, hunger and thirst for the good things, hunger and thirst for God. And that's where you will find satisfaction. The way of wisdom is a narrow path. And when you experience satisfaction from following the right things of God, you're following, you're on a narrow path. You're walking the narrow way. This is godly wisdom from a parent to a child. And then he he continues in this last third section. He says, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. This is the second time he brings up the heart. Keep them within your heart for, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole entire body. This is the second time that we see the word heart in chapter four. Solomon keeps talking about the things needing to be in the heart for for those of you who do that, if you hold it there, you're going to find life. Keeping those things at the core of who you are, cherishing them, loving them, embracing them, fighting for them, not abandoning them. You know, we don't have a, like a safe in our house. You know what a safe is, right? I, but I do have a lockbox. It's like this place where I hold things, where I keep things, I, things I want protected. And, uh, you know, I don't have great riches. Uh, my parents gave this to me many years ago. And, and we keep things that are valuable to us, but they wouldn't be considered valuables. There's no bars of gold or silver or stocks and bonds. What's in our, our firebox is our wedding license, uh, birth certificates, uh, report cards, uh, you know, my report cards aren't in there because they're valuable. I just don't want my kids seeing them. I just keep them. And, and this firebox is like, if, if the house catches on fire, this box is going to protect everything in it. And I probably should pull the grade cards out and just burn them. But uh, there's some special stuff in there. I'll hold on to it. I keep it. I've done what I can to keep this as safe as I can inside of our home. And Solomon is saying to his son, I want you to put my, my words in this firebox, in a lockbox, in a safe, uh, in your heart. I want you to lock it up. And I want you to lock it up in your heart because that's the core of who you are. Your heart's extremely valuable. Uh, the, the words I'm giving you are, are life to those who find them. You know, and then, and then Solomon jumps in. As he closes this letter, he gives these, these four habits of a healthy heart. I'm just going to give them to you now. You might want to write these down. And as we come to them, you might want to jot some more things uh, around them. Four habits of a healthy heart. Solomon says, if you want a healthy heart, like we, I want you to hide these things in your heart and your heart needs to remain healthy. So guard your heart and, and then guard your mouth, guard your eyes, guard your feet. If you do these four things, like your heart's going to be left in a very good condition. If you want to experience fewer disappointments, and fewer regrets in life, 
Solomon says, get wisdom, get understanding and lock it away in your heart. And then he says this in verse 23. He says, guard it. He says, guard your heart above everything else for it is the source of life above everything. Your heart is the core of who you are. It guides you. It guides your thoughts and your emotions and your intentions. It's, it's the source of your actions and, and decisions. It's the source of life. It guides your marriage. It guides your family. Your heart guides your money. Your heart guides everything. Everything flows, overflows from your heart. Here's what's true. You can't lose your heart and live. That's, that's true physically. It's true spiritually. You know, I did a summer internship between my junior and senior year, and it was a fantastic experience. Uh, the youth pastor who was mentoring me all summer, he was a longtime friend of mine. He's still a friend of mine today. Uh, and while I was in that internship, he had a heart attack uh, right before we went on a major mission trip, and, and it was chaotic. Uh, I didn't know what to do uh, I love that guy. I still love him. And uh, I, needed, I needed his help. I needed his encouragement. I needed his leadership. And here we are just trying to figure out how to, how to serve him, how to, how to serve his family. And we were just praying. And you know, Clark came out of this. I love this guy. He was 45 years old. One day it just happened. It just happened. I mean, we didn't see it coming, uh, but he's all right. He's alive today. And I'll tell you what, do you know what he does? Do you think he eats bacon all the time? <laughs> Do you, do you think he, he uh, exercises? Do you think that he monitors the food he puts in his body? Absolutely. Now, he should have been doing that all along, right? Just like we should. But when he realized and recognized the value of his heart and that you just can't lose your heart and live, he's paying attention to it in a very different way today than he did before he had that heart attack. And I love that guy. And to celebrate him uh, every year on the anniversary of his heart attack, I send him a text message. I just say, happy anniversary, Clark. And he like the first few times, he's like, what anniversary? And I just remind him, your heart attack. Sometimes I would send him uh, from Amazon. I'll have them deliver some uh, stuffed animal hearts right to his office. And like, I hope he, he probably hates it, but I hope that he loves it. It makes me laugh because he's still alive. I'm not making fun of his heart attack. I'm celebrating his life. When your heart isn't functioning the way that it was designed to function, you're not going to get the results that you're meant to get. Heart failure is fatal. And that's true for our physical hearts. It's true for our spiritual hearts. Your heart is the center of who you are. And listen to this. Because it's central to who you are, because it's the deepest part of you, the enemy's after it. It's a battle. The enemy wants to see you fail. The enemy wants to attack. So we guard our heart. We fight for our hearts. We don't give it away. So many people just give their hearts away. We don't give it away. We guard it. And when we guard our hearts, it guards us. And Solomon goes on to say in verse 24, he says, don't let your mouth speak dishonesty and don't let your lips talk deviously. Has anybody ever told you, maybe when you were younger, watch your mouth. And if you're a young kid, like whenever you say that to your kid, what's your kid do? And you just want to, you just want to yell at them a little more, right? Uh, you can't watch your mouth really, right? You can't, you can't really see your mouth. But I'll tell you what, you can see what your words do to other people. Solomon says words 
should never be devious. They should never be unkind. They should never be dishonest. The words that you and I say impact the way people see us. And when they know that we're following Jesus, it affects the way they see Jesus. You know, I don't know too many people who say, I don't like Jesus. But I know a lot of people who say, I don't like the church. I don't like Christians. And chances are they say that because what Christians are saying doesn't match up with what they're seeing. Look at what Jesus says in John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's talking about the good news, the gospel. And we know that there's freedom in the truth. There is no hiding. There's no negotiating, no manipulation, uh, no secrecy, no abuse. Like your words impact your reputation. So remember, when people, when people hear what you say and see who you are, it impacts the way they see Jesus. You know, you can't easily see your mouth, but you can easily see what your words do to the people around you. And then Solomon gives us a third habit to, to keep our hearts healthy. He says this in verse 25, let your eyes look forward, uh, fix your gaze straight ahead. Like, like keep your eyes forward, like gaze this way, you know, don't, don't look left and don't look right. You know, if your mouth can like export sin in our lives and hurtful, hateful things, then our eyes are what are importing uh, our ability to, you know, fall off track. The, the things that you and I allow ourselves to see shape the people we are becoming. Scripture's filled with people who let their eyes distract them from God's direction. Genesis chapter 3, you know, Eve couldn't take her eyes off of the one thing that she wasn't supposed to have. In Genesis 19, Lot's wife literally looks back and becomes a pillar of salt. In Joshua chapter 7, there's this guy named Achan, and, and there was these spoils of war, a great wealth of things that he wasn't supposed to touch or take, and he did. And not only were the consequences deep for him, it impacted everybody around him. 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see David on a rooftop, and he couldn't take his eyes off of this young lady named Bathsheba. The scriptures are filled with stories of Pharisees and tax collectors and kings that, that just couldn't keep their eyes on Jesus or their eyes on God the Father. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, the eyes, the eyes, the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, uh, your whole body is going to be full of light. Are your eyes healthy? Uh, are, are your eyes looking at things that they shouldn't? Uh, is, is there a, a desire or lust or prideful thing? Or, or maybe your eyes are just set on something that's really not meant for you. You know, there's two choices, right? There's two ways. There's two paths. Whatever we have our eyes on has control of us. It, it directs our ambition. Our eyes direct our motivations. And, and we can either be letting in light or we can be letting in darkness. And then Solomon gives this fourth and final habit of a healthy heart. In 26 and 27, he says, carefully consider the path of your feet. All your ways uh, and all your ways uh, will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. You know, the direction your feet are pointing most likely are going to be the direction that your body goes. He says, carefully consider, carefully consider the path of your feet. That means, uh, you know, wake up thinking about it. 
carefully consider in the morning. It better be on your mind. Every day when we wake up, we got to choose to follow Jesus. It's a choice. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm sure this happens, but I have never met a single person who woke up and said, you know what, today's the day that I decided to become an alcoholic. I mean, I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life, but I'm just going to go hit that hard for the rest of my life. Or today's the day I want to become a drug addict or a drug dealer. Today's the day that I want to become a liar where nobody trusts me. I just, today's my day. I, wanna, I want today to be the day where I abandon my family. I think that that's what my day is going to be all about. I've never met anybody who just said, if I could complete my to-do list of bad choices and bad decisions by noon, I'd consider that a win. Like, people don't say that. That's ridiculous. Of course we don't say that. It's absurd. But to live a life with fewer regrets, you and I must carefully consider our paths every day. Side note, this might be the, listen, if you haven't been listening, listen. Uh, I feel like I'm a dad to his son. Don't, don't miss these words. Because what I'm about to say might be the piece you take away from today. Uh, It's not that we're blatantly choosing evil when we wake up. It's not like we're saying, I'm going to choose sin today over the right things of God. But I'll tell you this, almost every single story of discouragement and regret starts with a subtle drift. You don't just wake up deciding, it's... It's this subtle drift. And, and maybe your faith has, has shifted without really seeing the shift. Instead of having a strong rooted faith, maybe you've been drifting or you are drifting. No one's ever drifted into a heart, soul, and strength relationship with Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever accidentally found themselves at the foot of the cross. It needs our attention. Even Solomon himself experienced the drift. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. His feet were no longer pointing in his direction. Her, his eyes were, were no longer looking and seeing. He clearly wasn't guarding his heart because he, he turned around. In the words of his mouth, he wasn't praising God. He turned away from God. We got to carefully consider the path of our feet because there's two directions. You're either following God or you're not. You're either faithfully following Jesus or you're not. This is an everyday decision, every single day. Really, every day? But I gave my life to Jesus and I'm pretty committed every day every morning, every moment. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then Jesus says to them all, he says, if anybody wants to follow me, if anybody, by the way, that means everybody can follow me, but anybody who wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Every day, every single day, Some of us just go to church because it's what we do. We don't even consider Jesus. We haven't opened up our Bible. We think that maybe just coming in here is is enough to spur on some spiritual growth. And don't get me wrong, community's great. I love that you're here. I love that you, you clicked in to join us. But if you're living a life that is just passively 
pursuing Jesus, chances are you're drifting. And I want to invite you into a right now, real relationship with Jesus. Today's the day. You know, just look at your watch. Look at what time it is. Look at what day it is and say, Jesus, today's the day that I'm all in. I realize this isn't going to be easy, but I'm all yours. Put people in my life to grow me, to sharpen me, and to show me who you are. And get in the Bible, get in the Word. And maybe some of you are watching, you're like, I've never given my life to Christ. I just want you to know right now can be that time. And I would encourage you to say these three things. You would just, right now, wherever you are, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Everybody else, you can pray with your eyes open. God sees you. He says, uh, you, you could just pray, God, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I believe that Jesus is who Scripture shows him to be. And I believe in the resurrection. And right now I commit my life to you. A, B, C. Admit I'm a sinner. Believe in the resurrection. Commit your life to Christ. John 3.16 says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son to you, to me, that whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And if you have given your life to Jesus, you are new. And you're on a pathway of wisdom. So guard these words. Uh, I hope this message was profitable for you. I pray that the words of Scripture, that you would store them in your heart, you would grow from them, and, uh, and you would guard that heart. Uh, let's pray. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for today. Well, whenever somebody's clicking and watching, I pray that you would use these words to encourage them, to bless them, to grow them. Um, thanks for the opportunity to be in your word together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.